Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, giving leaders the tools and information they need to grow and change their worlds. Now here's your host, Dale Dixon. Customer focus, a commitment to customer satisfaction. Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to become a high-performing leader. I'm your host, Dale Dixon, alongside Ron Price, co-author of The Complete Leader. Ron, great to be with you. Good to be with you, Dale. So this is part two in a conversation about customer focus. And if you haven't had a chance yet, I encourage you to go back and listen to the first part of that conversation where we where Ron lays out a very clear, concise model that we can use to grow our leadership skills around this idea of having a customer focus in our business. We continue the conversation today by taking a look at, uh, and, and the, the question that I'll, I'll ask to lead us into the conversation is, doesn't every everyone and every business need to be focusing on a customer and and how does this fall into a leadership skill yeah well first of all dale yes everybody should be focusing on who's my customer and uh, what that boils down to is who do i create value for and how do i get rewarded for it what's the benefit of me creating that value because the best relationships are always mutually beneficial the most successful businesses there has to be benefit that goes both directions or one of the parties eventually is going to have to opt out So we should all be customer focused, but the reality is very few businesses and very few leaders have mastered customer focus as a skill or as a set of skills. And I think part of the reason for it is because we have so much noise around us. We have so many different stakeholders, so many vested interests, people who each want something from us. And it's very important for us to create, uh, I guess you would say, sort of a pyramid of who's at the top, who's the most important customer that I should be paying attention to. So, yeah, it's obvious that we should be, but it's hard to do it. You know, one great example, I think of this uh, because it's a company that had mastered this and then lost their way was Toyota. Toyota really had become the world standard for quality several years ago, and especially Lexus, one of their subsidiaries. And then they slowly and without even realizing it began to fall into old cultural patterns where they quit listening to the customer. They kept they started to think that there were certain things they needed to withhold from their customers and even withhold from the people inside of Toyota. And they ended up with this braking crisis. It took a long time for them to figure out what had gone wrong. There was some thought that maybe the accelerator, I think, was actually was getting stuck. And you might remember reading that there were some accidents that caused fatalities. And then it came out that uh, it was probably a malfunction of the car. And so there were lawsuits against Toyota. And Toyota didn't get ahead of the PR part of the battle. And eventually, months later, it came out that there actually wasn't anything wrong with the vehicle at all. Most of it was probably driver created. But what happened in the midst of this was they exposed that Toyota had moved away from transparency throughout the organization, that upper management had begun to withhold information from their employees who had an impact on the quality of the cars, and that Toyota had become arrogant. They had become convinced that they knew quality better than anybody else. So they actually moved away from what had been a historical focus on customers into more of a hierarchical approach to the way they ran their business that led to a lack of transparency that caused them to experience first this tremendous PR failure. They thought it was an equipment failure. In fact, 
fact, it was that they hadn't handled their customers properly in the way that they dealt with this crisis. And it's a great example of how noise gets in the way of how vested interests, in this case, falling back into traditional Japanese culture of a hierarchy and where we don't expose everything, we don't, we don't make everything transparent, they got them back into trouble. During our conversation in, in the previous episode, part one of this, we talked about this idea that the customer is always right. And you brought a level of clarity around that statement that is so well known in business and and also takes your you, the, your approach takes it so much further than the customer is always the customer when you talked about perception. Um Go back into that and, and re-explain that for, for us so that we refresh that in our minds about customer perception being key for us to focus on as leaders. This is uh, really an extension of one of our earlier skills that we talked about, which is empathy. And the way that I think about empathy is the ability to understand another person's experience. So in understanding another person's experience, the facts are not as important as how that person relates to the facts. So when we say the customer's always right, I don't even think we're putting it in the right context. What we should be saying is that the customer's perceptions, the customer's experience with us is going to become our business reality, regardless of whether they have the facts right, or it, it really isn't so much what our relationship to the facts may be, which is oftentimes what we want to defend or how we make leadership decisions. But instead, it's what is their relationship to what happened whether it's the facts or the lack of facts, it's what their perceptions are that end up becoming our business reality. So if we want customer focus to be one of our great opportunities, and it really is honestly one of the greatest differentiating opportunities in building our brand as an organization, what sets us apart from others, a lot of times the technology today is easy to mimic or duplicate, uh, the marketplace, how we go to market, a lot of those things are very easy to do the same as everybody else, but where we can differentiate ourselves is the way that we relate to our customers. And I think of it as, first of all, give them what they want and to do that, you have to understand them at a deep level. Secondly, give it to them with excellence. Make sure you do it well and that you don't cut corners, but that you go out of your way to deliver what they're asking for with excellence. And then add that little personal touch as sort of the frosting on the cake. That, that personal demonstration that you care for them as an individual is the last piece that really differentiates you and will cause them to come back to you over and over and over again, even though they may have different maybe even better options because you're giving them something that they can't get anywhere else. I'm thinking about, we used the airline industry uh, earlier uh, in the part one episode of, of this customer focus conversation. Personal touch is a possibility regardless of the number of customers you have. I throw that out as a statement. Would you agree or disagree with that? I do agree, and I think one example of it in their early days was Southwest Airlines. So it doesn't, it's not that you have to know every customer's name and call them by name as they get on the airline. It's how the flight attendants interacted with 
the passengers on Southwest that made a different experience. They came off that airline saying, wow, these people actually seem to enjoy what they're doing instead of just fulfilling their duties. And you see the other airlines occasionally will have somebody who's a flight attendant who's picked up on that and has learned how to enjoy it. I've been on other airlines where all of a sudden you feel like you're being entertained by the flight attendant making the announcements. But for the most part, these larger organizations depend too much on systems and they don't think of, again, they don't see what the customer's experience is as they interact with them going through um, going through this, the service that they provide. You know, Dale, one of the examples of this that, that almost drives me crazy is that, and I know they're going to say, well, it's the government, it's the, the uh, FAA that requires us to do this. But you get on an airline, you sit in your seat, you're fastening your seatbelt, and then they go through the safety talk. And every time they go through that safety talk, they show you how to fasten a seatbelt. Now, this is mind-boggling to me. Is there anybody who's getting on that plane that doesn't know how to fasten a seatbelt? And so we hear them say that and we say, oh, this is an irrelevant talk. I don't need to listen to the rest of it. It's what if they were to say, if you don't know how to fasten a seatbelt, let us know and we'll come show you. I mean, it's so crazy that we're in, we're, we're what, 40 years after seatbelts were put into cars and into airplanes and they're still explaining to people how to fasten a seatbelt. This is a great example of being, of being in a, unaware of the kind of perception that you're creating with your customers by how you treat them. Why not use that time to do something that's more relevant, that makes the customer feel valued? And when they say, well, thank you for flying with us today, whatever airline it might be, do we really believe that's genuine? Do we re really believe it's sincere? What I'm saying is if you want to really develop skills and customer focus, you've got to see the world through their eyes and see that when your customers hear you go through that routine, that memorized speech, it means nothing to them. As a matter of fact, you've just made them more cynical. You haven't added anything to the relationship. And that's just a very obvious, simple example of how when we don't look through the customer's eyes, we don't have the kind of focus that's going to create lifetime customers. Mm. Excellent point. So you've got a you've got a model for us. Yeah, this at. is this is another extension of the work of W. Edwards Deming in Japan when he turned around quality there after World War II. It's a fellow named Kano, or in Japanese his name is pronounced Kano, and he built this model of how he could relate quality to customers. So it's understanding the customer's journey or the customer's experience. And there are three different levels he talked about and how you could listen better to your customers in the process. The first level he called the must-be characteristics or benefits that you provide for your customer. So he called them the must-bes because he said, if you don't provide these, your customers are going to quit. They're going to go somewhere else. And there are two ways that we can find out what those are, whatever kind of a business we're involved in. The first is we can listen to the complaints of our customers. If we have some mechanism by which customers can complain, we need to pay attention to those complaints. We need to think deeply about those complaints. We need to think creatively about those complaints and not just try to get rid of them, but recognize they're going to help us understand what we need to provide or we're going to lose that customer. The second thing you can do is go interview your customers who've left you. And a lot of companies are trying to do this through online surveys, but I think you don't find out very much through online surveys. It's 
doing good targeted representative interviews where you really ask what happened and why it happened and where you again apply creativity and practices disciplines of innovation so that you can find out if it would have been to your advantage to find a way to keep that customer so this is the first level the must be's the second level Kano responded to or described as more is better these are the character characteristics or the benefits that we provide to our customers that make them start feeling better and better and better about us. So instead of just saying, well, I'm not going to go somewhere else, they begin to have a positive attitude toward us. And the more of these benefits or features that we provide to them, the more positive they become. They could get to the point where they start being some of our greatest representatives or spokespeople because of how they speak about us. And the way that you can find out what these are is by asking these questions. First of all, how are we doing? Ask them to tell you what they like or don't like. Second question, how could we do better? Is there anything you can think of that we might be able to do better? And the third question, so why do you choose us when you have other options? But we do have competitors. Why is it that you stay with us instead of going to our competitors? By asking those three questions, you learn a lot about how they compare you against the other alternatives they have and how you can get better and better and better and gain or hold on to more and more of your relationship with them, which results in business. So this is the more is better. This moves you beyond just neutral to how positive they are about you. The third level that he, that he described was what he called the delighters. And the delighters were things that we do for our customers that they didn't think of, but they find useful. And, 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 when these happen, they really become raving fans because we surprise them with something that they like, that they find beneficial, that they get value in. So let me tell you a couple quick stories of how this affects me. I, I recently switched banks and banking is an industry we could talk a lot about when it comes to customer focus. And I, uh, when I spoke with the executives at the bank, I told them what I was looking for. And they came and gave us a nice travel bag as a thank you gift for coming to that bank. Well, that was nice, but that's not really what I look to a bank for. Instead, I want to know what additional services can a bank provide me in the way of expertise and guidance and convenience that are different because they understand me better as a customer. So they tried to do, they tried to have customer focus, but they didn't really hit the bullseye for me. They hit one of the outer rings because all they really did was express appreciation that I switched to that bank. Let me give you something on the other side of the equation. Years ago, I bought, and I'm gonna go ahead and describe the model. I, I bought a, a new, a brand new Mazda 929. Now they don't make that model anymore, but I was looking at it and I am a price shopper. I was looking for a good value. But what got me interested in this car was I discovered that they had put a, a solar panel in the sunroof. First of all, I love sunroofs. They'd put a solar panel in the sunroof so that during the summer, it ran a fan that circulated the air in my car so that I didn't get this big buildup of heat that's common in the part of the country that I live in. And then during the winter, that solar panel charges my battery, so I never have to worry about getting in the car and the battery's gonna be dead. I thought this was so cool. It was not something I was shopping for, but it surprised me and I thought, wow, that is so cool that I have told literally thousands of people about that feature in that Mazda 929. By the way, I love the car and drove it into the ground. 
The sad thing is they no longer make a car that has that solar panel on the sunroof. Somehow they didn't get the connection that this was something that surprised me and delighted me. But it's a great example of how we turn customers into raving fans because we delight them with something. And the secret is most of how we discover those things that we could do to surprise our customers and delight them are things that we discover by watching our customers work with our stuff. So whether it's a product or a service, it's not in the laboratory, it's not in the R&D department, it's by watching our customers use what we provide them that we discover these things that can surprise and delight them and that really turn them into lifetime advocates for who we are and what we do. In reviewing my notes on this chapter after reading it in The Complete Leader, I keep thinking, um, you know, 90% of it is just showing up about, Mm. you know, knowing your customer, having a conversation, being open to listening, focusing on just the basic skills, building strong relationships, doing simple things like just keeping a promise and looking for that opportunity to to go the extra mile. Uh, These are not hard things, but they require a level of intentionality uh, and making it part of a culture of an organization in order to make it happen. But there are so many companies not doing it. Let's talk about the differentiating factor for the companies that do. Well, the, the impact of it is phenomenal. The, the lifetime value of a customer in most businesses is really mind-boggling for most people. Um, in our business, the lifetime value of a customer who's satisfied with the work we do is easily a million dollars because they see the value that we bring to their organization in helping them to develop clear strategy in elevating their performance and generating business results that are multiples of whatever they invest with us. And the strength of their culture that results from the kind of work that we do in helping to develop their leaders and helping them to develop skills. So in reality, um, the lifetime value is a million dollars and the benefit to them is multiples of that. It's probably in most instances, depending on the size of the organization we're working with, tens of millions of dollars is the lifetime value of us having a relationship with them. And in almost any business, unless it's just a one-off purchase, you're going to buy one in your lifetime and that's it. The lifetime value of the customer is worth you getting to understand the customer's experience and engaging them with that. I think, Dale, it's you're right that it's not that complicated. It's a, bit, a matter of being a good listener and engaging and showing up and being present. But the thing that most of us struggle with is that it's a mindset change because most of us just want to be able to check off the task that I checked in with my customer and we don't recognize the treasure that's there in building a relationship where we really understand them. And as our organizations get larger, we think, well, I can't afford to do that. I totally reject that. What I do think is as organizations get larger, we need to innovate how we do that, how we engage our customer, how we're involved with them. And we need to be very careful that we don't just start treating them as a statistic. Because in your attempt to understand their experience, if they feel that you're just treating them as as a data point, you're actually doing the opposite of what you want to do, which is strengthen your bonds with them through the process of understanding their experience. So it's possible But it first takes the right mindset, then it takes the creative and innovative 
development of skills so that you can build on that relationship over time instead of dilute it. All right. Any final words for us as we wrap up this episode? I actually think that our greatest potential in extending our leadership influence is in understanding our customer's experience and then creating relevant value that results in them becoming raving fans. So far from this being an ancillary or a peripheral skill, I think it's at the very core of our success as leaders. Absolutely. Ron Price, co-author of The Complete Leader. If you haven't done so already, we encourage you to pick up that book. It is a great companion to this podcast as we dive deep into each of the core competencies laid out in uh, four distinct categories within The Complete Leader. We thank you so much for your time and listening today, and we would love to hear your feedback on these episodes. It's super easy. All you have to do is go leave a rating and a review in your podcast listening app. So if you're in the iTunes app, uh, just go into the iTunes store, leave a rating and a review. We constantly watch those, monitor those, and are looking for opportunities to bring even more value to you, the listener. And while you're out there, um, uh, be sure to check out price-associates.com to learn more about Ron, his team, and what they're able to offer your business along with thecompleteleader.org. That's all one word, thecompleteleader.org, where you can even take an assessment on your leadership skills. All of that online. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Complete Leader Podcast. Everything you need to become a high-performing leader. Thanks for listening to the Complete Leader Podcast. Find more online, thecompleteleader.org.